Welcome to Your Best Riding Life, an extension of the Blue Ridge Mountains Christian Riders Conference held in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains of North Carolina. I'm your host, Linda Goldfarb. Each week, I bring you tips and strategies from experts in the writing and publishing industry to help you excel in your craft. As always, I'm so glad you're listening in today. Today's topic is going to be one of my favorites, is writing for middle grade. My industry expert is Taryn Suters. Taryn's middle grade novels have been named to multiple state reading awards lists. Her novel, Coop Knows the Scoop, was a 2021 Edgar Award nominee for Best Juvenile Mystery Novel. She is a member of both SCBWI and Word Weavers International and is represented by Sally Apocadoc Literary Agency. Taryn, I'm so glad that you're here with us today on Your Best Writing Life. Good to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to be here. Well, there's something that we do extra special for our first-time guests. What I'd like to do is kind of uh, take a peek behind your personal curtain, if you would allow. So, Taryn, why don't you share something with our listeners about yourself that we probably won't read in your bio. Yeah, you probably won't read about this because I have a really odd quirk when it comes to jazz music. Um, it absolutely drives me up the wall and it makes me angry. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I just can't handle it. And if I go into a store where they are playing jazz music and specifically, it seems to be the saxophone that just kind of tips me over the edge. I have to leave the store and I, and I just have to wait for the music to stop playing before I can go back in. And it's, it's a problem. Um, particularly if I happen to have a grocery cart full of items and then they start playing jazz music and I'll just, be like, oh, you know what, just hold this at customer service. I'll be back in five minutes, but it just, I don't know what it is. It just makes me angry. Well, I know that you write mysteries for um, middle grade. I'd be thinking this would be the the best topic of trying to figure out that mystery and possibly what was your mother listening to while she was pregnant with you? I don't know. <laughs> oh, so this is good. Well, we're gonna we're going to step right into our content for today, and it's writing for middle grade. So, Taryn, if you would just share with our listeners the different age groups and the breakdown as far as word count for children's writers, and you can start where you like. I'm assuming board books would be a good place to start. Absolutely. Yep. The, so the range of writing for children runs anywhere from board books to young adult. And so board books is the very first introduction that children get to the literary world. And the age group is zero to three. And the reason that we say zero is there are many parents who will actually read board books to their baby, like in utero before they're even born, which is super fun. Um, but the word count can be anywhere from zero words, sometimes it's just pictures, to about a hundred words. Very minimal book, and it's it's usually little to no plot. A lot of times it's a concept about love or animals or family, something like that. After that, the kids will then kind of step up into picture books. 
And the age group there is from about three years old to eight years old. And you're going to get different publishing houses. They all might vary by a year or two on, on any of these categories. So none of this is set in stone. But again, age is about eight to three. Your word count around 250 words to usually no more than a thousand. And honestly, a thousand words is pretty high for a picture book. The sweet spot is considered 500. That's the next category. And then from there is a very misunderstood category, which is the early readers. These are ages five to nine. And your word count is from 1,500 words to about 2,000 words. And the reason I say this is misunderstood is I will have people all the time bring me their picture book that has 2,000 words in it. I'm like, no, 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 this is not a picture book based on your word count. This is an early reader. And the thing to remember about early readers is that they only use dialogue and action. There's no description in these books. And if, if our listeners want a couple good examples about what I'm talking about, they should look at Amelia Bedelia and the Danny the Dinosaur series. Danny the Dinosaur is written by Sid Hoff, Amelia Bedelia, that's Peggy Parrish. But if you look at those, it's only dialogue and action. And most of these are written in-house, which means that a publishing house has their own person writing early reader books. Very rarely will they buy or um, contract with an author for an early reader. So that is something that our writers probably want to just keep in mind as they are trying to figure out what they want to write. I would go with, you know, a picture book or a middle grade book before I did an early reader uh, or, or a chapter book, right. which is our next category. So chapter books, this is anywhere from ages six or seven to like nine or 10. And your word count again is higher, anywhere from about 8,500 words to 12,000 words, although some have been known to go up to 20,000 for the older readers. And these are a lot of fun. If Again, if readers want or if our listeners want examples, they could look at the My Weird School series by Dan Gutman or Magic Treehouse. Those are great examples of chapter books. They're a lot of fun. Kids like them. Uh, usually because they're very fast paced and it's a simple plot and they can read them on their own, which is very exciting for this age group when they can read a chapter book. They think they are all grown up at this point. It's awesome. And then there's my favorite group, which is the middle grade books. And the big misconception with middle grade is that people think, oh, middle grade is for middle school. And it encompasses a little bit of middle school, but it, that's not that's not the rule. It's actually elementary and middle. It's for ages eight to 12. And this is why it's a little difficult to write for middle grade because that's a huge age group. You know, an eight-year-old is what, like third grade? And a 12-year-old is, I think, seventh grade. So when you think of all the differences that happen between those ages, to try to write something that would appeal to anyone in that age group, that's a challenge. But it can be done, and it's a lot of fun. Your word count typically for this type of writing is about 25,000 words to 50,000 words. The sweet spot for many publishers, they like to stick around 35,000. So that's always a goal to aim for. And then if you need to edit and take some off, you can. And then if, if you need to add words, that that 
is rarely a problem that authors uh, find themselves in, but actually it's happened to me before, AdWords. So it, it can be done. And then our last category is young adult. And this is ages 12 and up. A lot of adults actually read young adult books. Actually, a lot of adults read middle grade books because they're just so much fun. Your word count for young adult books is about 50,000 to 75,000 words. And here's something that's super important. Your main character is usually 16 to 18 years old. And I know we're going to dive into uh, this a little bit more later on, but you don't want your character younger than that, typically. Those are kind of the breakdowns of the different types of children's writing and what your audience is, or I should say, who your audience is and what your word count is. This is very, right. very good. Excellent. Yay, I'm glad. I hope I'm I hope it will walk away with that, that same feeling. <laughs> very good. Well, Taryn, as you said, the middle grade is your sweet spot. I'm very excited about focusing on middle grade writing. So what right now is considered suitable material for middle grade? So middle grade is a very open area that you, there's pretty much, um, it's probably easier to talk about what's not suitable than what is suitable because it is very free. I mean, there's a lot you can write about because of this age group that you're dealing with. These kids are older. They've been in school longer. They've been exposed to the world longer. They've had the time to, um, in the education field, it's called to develop prior knowledge. So if you're talking about certain animals, maybe they've already been to a zoo on a field trip and they know what that animal is. Their vocabulary is bigger. They've been exposed to more situations. And so whatever you want to build your plot around, there's a good chance that your readers have some inkling of what it is you're talking about. What you don't want to include with middle grade is romance. Um, that's usually something that, and again, because your audience is ages eight to 12, they're not really thinking about the opposite sex right now. They're not thinking about their first kiss. That really is more for the older groups. So you want to stay away from that. You also want to stay away from a lot of violence because parents are the ones typically who are still buying books for their kids at this age. And if you have a lot of violence in your book, it's going to get tagged on various reviews. And parents oftentimes do read those reviews and they might say, you know what, I really don't want to expose my child to that. So those are things that you want to avoid. The, the great thing with middle grade is it's a wonderful place to put humor in. And so you can use any opportunity and instill humor um, because kids love to laugh. They're just getting to that age also where they're beginning to understand how sarcasm works. And yes, while some types of sarcasm can be pretty extreme and can be mean, I think generally speaking, um, they understand the fun part of sarcasm and, and that's what they appreciate. So that I, I like to be sarcastic with my writing. Um, I don't necessarily have a character who's sarcastic, but I like to have the whole feel of the story to be lighthearted and, and joking. Okay. So you have a little snarky in there. Oh, absolutely. I, I always have a character who's, who's got a little bit of snark. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what, you know, I think of the opportunity for this age reader to what, is, what are they encountering on the playground? What are they encountering in the different personalities of their friends? 
What are they encountering that maybe they struggle with a little bit? And as a professional children's actor, I found that young people will open up when the character is vulnerable, a little transparent, but still weaves in that edge of, like you said, that that humor that's kind of allowing a tad bit heavy subject to be shared, but allowing breath to weave its way through it with a little bit of humor so that they go, ah, yeah. because it can be, you know, we can reach this age with some sensitive topics, but we don't want to pour it over them so that they become sad. Right. And I think having that comic relief, which again, this is really where you start to see humor in writing. I think having that comic relief is very important. I, I remember my family, we love the the Avenger superhero movies. They're just, we just think they're the best. And so we'll be watching, there's one that we are watching. Um, gosh, I, there's so many, so I can't really remember, but I think it was the, the second one. And they're talking about, all the superheroes are talking about how Loki is just this this horrible person and like all these things that he's done and how these people that he's killed and what are they going to do? And, and it's this very tense moment. And Thor is like, you know, it's my brother you're talking about. And they said, yeah, but look at all this horrible stuff. And then you just kind of go into it again. And then Thor replies with, well, you know, he was adopted. So you have this, <laughs> you have this comic relief moment because you, you need that when you realize, man, he really is a bad guy. And he's like, well, I'm, he's actually not really part of the family. You know, that's what he's saying. So it's nice to be able to have those moments in middle grade where you can introduce topics of, of bullying or death or divorce or just heavy, sad issues that kids deal with. But if you can, if you can keep it a little lighthearted, or if you have that character who is your comic relief character, that will help the kids process your story fully and, and more deeply. Absolutely. You've given us a basis of what is considered suitable material, or as you said, not suitable material. We are speaking specifically to our Christian writers. And I know looking out in the world today, looking at the reading material that's made available for our young people, there's a lot of stuff that, or a lot of content our young Christian families are being exposed to and are their children are wanting to read that. What do you want to say to our Christian writers? Is there some boundaries, some areas that you're like, hey, make sure you really are sensitive to this? And we can talk specific here. Okay. I would say, yeah, to our Christian writers, um, and I, and I think this probably goes for all fields, actually, but my own standard is I will never write anything that I am ashamed for my own kids to read, or obviously that would go against scripture. So I am not going to talk about how, um, you know, certain lifestyles are, are a-okay or whatever, depending on what I uh, agree or disagree with. Now, what I do think that we need to be careful of as Christian writers is that God is very specific that we are to love on everyone. We are not supposed to yes. be judgmental. We are not supposed to be the ones to pick up the rocks and throw them. 
So when you are creating your characters, you need to make sure your characters are exhibiting the qualities that Christ would want them to exhibit. Don't be judgmental. It's not our place to do that. So that is one thing I would want to make sure our writers are aware of. For parents who are picking out books for their kids, there are some lovely websites that they can go to that will give them reviews on certain books, well, on on many books, and let them know, hey, this book talks about divorce. This book talks about lifestyles or the LGBT community, LGBTQ community. Um, you know, this one talks about witchcraft, what, whatever it is you are trying to either avoid or maybe even look into further because you are, you know, you want to make sure your kid has a, a well-rounded view on stuff. I'm not really sure, but those are websites that you, you know, Goodreads is one of them. Um, Clean Reads is one of them. Obviously Amazon will even mention if certain things are present in a story. And I do, I think it's on the parents actually to look into the books that their kids are reading. At this age, kids are trying out all sorts of things, not only in their literature, but just in life in general. So we have to stay on top of that as a parent. I wholeheartedly would suggest to parents and writers have, you know, talk to your parents too when you're when you're writing. Maybe something in the back of your book. This is a good suggestion to parents is look at the book, read the book with your child, go through it. If there's anything controversial to the parent in there, talk about it. Yeah. Just talk about it. Don't yeah. sweep it under the rug. Don't make it this taboo thing. Talk about it. How do how does our family what do we believe in? What, is, what are we wanting for our family? Why are we wanting this for our family? Right. Then that's not an attack. It is a time, it's a teachable moment. And to Absolutely. be able to share that. Absolutely. And that's a, that's a beautiful way of saying it. And I think we can turn anything into a teachable moment and, and not have to completely fly off the handle and lose control and, and panic over what our child brought home or something like that. It's, um, it, that's, that's, I couldn't have worded that better. So thank you for saying that. And as you mentioned, as Christian writers, we do fall under a expectation for our Christian families, Christian readers. Yeah. Not yeah. just, you know, it's not what would Jesus say, what would Jesus write, you know, <laughs> what, what, what influence can a child go through what I'm writing and at the end be closer to their understanding and love of who our God is. Absolutely. And just, yeah. I, I think that if, if I can do that, when I hit the end and I know I've just walked them through a journey, whether it's has humor, mystery, all of this, I'm confident in my writing that they go, whoa, there's hope. There's and hope. I think that that can be done for both the Christian market and for the general market. So I don't want, Amen. I don't want Christians to feel as though well, I'm a Christian, so I have to write for a, no. a Christian publishing house. I mean, I don't. I write for the general market. But what I do is I, I try to take characteristics that would be honoring to the Lord and give those to my main characters. Um, now, they're flawed. Your main character better be flawed. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, and, and But, you know, the whole point is, is when my story's done, when, when someone has finished reading, you know, how to almost run your summer or Coop knows the scoop or whatever, will they have a better understanding of how they can respond to others in a loving manner around them? 
you know, you know, with mm. truth, a lot of it is about forgiveness and recognizing uh, there was one perfect person to walk this world and it's none of us. <laughs> and right. we all make mistakes and hopefully we can learn from those mistakes and become a better person because of them. But that means you have to offer forgiveness. Um, so uh, that's, that's one of the things that you can do if you decide, hey, I, I'm a Christian, but I want to write for the general market. How do I do that? Uh, without like inserting the Romans road <laughs> into my story. Well, you right. do by taking those characteristics of, of Christ and, and using them in your story. And that's perfect. And I'd love for more Christian writers to be writing mm-hmm. for the general market yeah. to have that influence Yeah, because children are seeking children yeah. are hurting. They're seeking. And as middle grade children, they can go into a library. They can go into their school library and pick out a book. Yeah. And so give them something that gives them that hope. Yep. It's fantastic. All right. Now, when we're looking at middle grade and we're looking at YA, I know that you had mentioned what middle grade is not, is that it doesn't have the romance. It doesn't have that in there. But give us the differences between the middle grade and the YA material. Sure. So with the middle grade, some of the similarities, they are both going to have a three act plot structure. All right. However, with YA, you usually have at least two subplots to add depth. With YA, they usually are darker with these gritty views of the world, but they can also be humorous. Sadly, in the general market, there's usually a lot of profanity and violence and and sex. And so hopefully you can find a way around that. And your main character, and I said this earlier, your main character is usually 16 to 18 years old. And there's a reason for that. Young adult books are being read by kids who are in high school, kids who have jobs, who can drive themselves someplace. They don't want to pick up a book where the main character's mom has to be the one to drive him or her and their date to the movie theater and then pick them up afterwards. For a young adult to read a character like that, to them, that's taking a step back in the world. They don't want to remember when their own parent had to drive them around. They are now independent and they're all grown up and they're mature, or at least that's what they think. And so you want to have characters that they can relate to. So if you think you are writing a young adult book and your main character is 12 or 13, you either need to change your main character's age or you need to change the content of your young adult book and make it a middle grade book. Middle grade, your main character is typically two to four years older than the youngest intended reader. So your youngest intended reader for middle grade is age eight. That means that your middle, your your main character is usually going to be 10, 11, or 12 years old because kids always want to read up. They want to read about a character who is older than them. They don't mind reading about one who's the same age. That's okay, but they prefer to read up because it kind of gives them something to look forward to. Like, oh, I'm going to be doing this adventure when I'm 10 or 11 or 12 or whatever it is. So that's why you want to make sure that for YA, your character is at least able to drive a car. And if you're doing a historical piece and they didn't have cars back then, that's fine. 
but they still need to be in that upper teen kind of age bracket because that's really what your readers are expecting and it's what they want. You will have a very difficult time finding a traditional publishing house to publish your work if your main character is 14 or 15. They mm. just kind of tend to stay away from They're like, sorry, that character's age is not going to work for us. So you might as well know that from the beginning <laughs> so that when you start creating your story, you can be working with the right age group. What about when it comes to writing a series for middle grade? I think of concepts where you have that main character who's 12, which fits mm -hmm. the bill. Then the next book comes out. Well, the next book can be six months later. It could be a year later, you know, in the age of the character. But as the character grows, the reader is also growing. And right. I think that that's a great thread to carry through a series. What are your thoughts on that? It is. It is definitely because you're right. The character is going to grow. The reader is going to grow. The problem is there's not really a genre that crosses from YA to middle grade. Or I'm sorry, from middle grade to, to YA. So right. when it of a series like let's just take a very well-known series I'm not sure or it doesn't really matter where you stand on it this is just an example but let's take the series of harry potter so when harry potter starts off at hogwarts he's young i think he's like 10 or something but there's seven series i mean sorry there's seven books in this series and by the end by that last book he's not 10 years old anymore he is much right. older. but and your readers are much older but they have continued to read that series because they just fell in love with it at the very beginning. Um, adults obviously will read that series because it's, it's a very well-written series. But there are series that the character stays the same age no matter what. For instance, there is one by one of my favorite authors. Her name is Sheila Turnage. And she's done a four-book mystery series called The Mo and Dale, M-O, short for Moses, so Mo and Dale mystery series. And Mo always refers to herself as a, I think she said an uprising sixth grader. Um, and so uh, she's a, this cute character. She's going in the sixth grade. I think at one point she does say that they're about to go into seventh grade, but over the, the whole series, there's only that one age difference. And so she has kept her characters pretty much the same age. And I think that's kind of what publishers are looking for. Another example would be the City Spy series by James Ponty. You've got a group of five kids who are international super spies, basically. And the focus is more on their adventures, not on their age. So you can mention what they do, but you aren't necessarily showing this growth of, okay, now I'm going to take my driver's test and now I've got my license and now I have my first job. It's nothing like that. And I, you have to kind of ask yourself, what's the focus of my story going to be on? If it really is how my character has grown up through life, that's going to be a difficult sell. Number one, that's a lot to put in a book, but number two, it doesn't, doesn't target any specific audience because you're talking about the younger life and then the elementary and middle school and high school. And, and it's just an odd thing to do. So you need to figure out who is my audience and you need to write for that audience and you need to make sure that your character stays roughly within that age group. Perfect. Wisdom. Very, very good. All right. So what benefits 
can we gain from writing for middle grade? One of the things I love to do, to me, it's a perk for writing middle grade, is I actually get to go into the schools and speak to this age group. So, you know, fourth grade through seventh grade, sometimes the eighth graders, they can be a tough crowd, though, sometimes. Um, But, you know, fourth grade through seventh grade is, is usually my target audience. And I can go in and hang out with them. I get to talk to them about, hey, like, what's going on in your life right now? What are, what are things that are occupying your time and your mind? And I get to know them and it gives me material to work with for other books, but it also keeps me, number one, it keeps me young, (laughs) but number two, you're also as a, as a writer, you're making sure that you're staying true to the times. Are kids no longer saying certain things? Are they no longer doing certain things? What is, what is important to them now that maybe, when you first started writing a story, they, it wasn't a big deal at all. And I'm not saying write, write to whatever the, the now is because that changes so quickly. You don't want to write fads, but you do want to make sure that you are staying up to date with what these kids are going through. There have been many times when people have handed me a manuscript to critique and it, it would be an older, an older writer who has handed this to me and I can tell right away that they have not spent any time with this age group that writing for because mm. it's not realistic. The speech is wrong. The dialogue is wrong. Um, how kids are interacting with each other is, is not right. So one of the great things about writing for middle grade is that you do get to have these constant interactions with the kids when you go into the schools. But I just love the humor that is available to this age group. This that's the Humor is so important to me. I would rather laugh than cry. Like I know there are some people that they love a good cathartic novel that will just rip their heart out and like really get them in touch with their deep inner emotions. And I run from those books and movies. (laughs) That is so not me. Like give me someone falling down a flight of stairs or like slapstick humor, something that is um, a comedic element. And to me, that is the middle grade genre. You see a lot of it in the books. And again, it has to do just with how kids interact with each other. This is where they develop, you know, oh, I wonder what this prank would be like. And hopefully like not mean pranks, but but funny pranks. My sister was always pulling pranks on people and they were, they were lighthearted. Actually, she was usually pulling them on her teachers, which was a lot of fun. But, um, so it it was just, it's a fun age group to write for and they get your humor. So that's, that's why I just love this group. And one of the benefits that you as the writer can give the reader is that you are giving them a clean option to read. Again, we talked about this earlier. There's so much just ugh, out there. Um, and this this is something like, I love the fact that parents have come up to me and said, when's your next book coming out? I can't wait for it. I don't even know what it's about, but I know that it's going to be good and I know it's going to be clean and I'm not going to have to worry about my kid reading it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they need that. They We need more options like that. We really do. My youngest son's wife, Yessie, she teaches first grade went to her school. She invited me to come and have a reading time with Miss Linda and had the students come in. We're in this little mini amphitheater in a back room of the library. I had four books and one was called 
nobody hugs a cactus. <laughs> and it was a great little book. It had deeper meaning. And as the reader, because I use exaggerated voice, I use all of this. So I became all of the different characters that happened to go by this little cactus. And at the end, I asked the students questions. When we look at the cactus at the beginning, he's very sad. Actually, he's angry. Why do you think he is? Different students would raise, these are first graders, they'd raise their hand. And one would say, because he's lonely. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yes, he is. And someone else would say, because he's prickly. And I go, yes, some prickly people have sad or angry faces. And so that's what I love about the dynamic that's, you know, a little bit younger than the middle grade. But our young people are eager to hear from the author. And you're speaking my language when you say the benefit of writing for middle grade is going in and spending time with them. Yeah. And they are fabulous and they are hungry. And they, whether they have it at home or not, folks, they want clean too. Yeah. They want clean. They do. They don't want to have to worry like, okay, when I turn the page, is this where I'm going to come across something that makes me feel uncomfortable? And I'm I'm not saying we Mm. should be challenged in our thinking, but I do feel like there is a time and place for it. And, uh, you know, my 12 year old has enough challenges (laughs) just, Mm. just getting through a normal day. I don't need him when he sits down to relax and read to, to, to be, to be worrying about what he's going to read. You know, and as a parent, I don't want to worry about what he's reading. Like, what is he being exposed to? I know that's going to come. And I've kind of come to accept it's going to be in the YA category. And I think most parents expect that those difficult topics to be in the YA category, mainly because the kids are older. They're a little more prepared to um, diagnose and, uh, you know, what is the author doing? What's their purpose? What are they trying to introduce me to? How do I feel about this? Um, Do I agree with this? Which in that age group, let's think about it with YA, those kids, they are ready to argue with an adult on anything in that age group. And so, yeah, sure. Introduce a difficult, controversial topic. Then they will debate you on it. They will come to their own understanding. And if you have worked as a family all along on, look, this is what this is our belief system. This is what we hold to. It's going to be fine. But when they're already, uh, you know, 10, 11, 12, entering middle school or in middle school, which um, our old pastor used to refer to as just a a social experiment gone wrong, (laughs) which middle school (laughs) is, it's just an awkward phase. The last thing they need is more angst in their life. Uh, So give them something that, that they can read, that they can enjoy, that they can learn from. Again, I am not saying don't put difficult topics in there. I want kids to be reading about the atrocities of World War II. I don't want that forgotten. I want them to know that not everyone comes from a loving home with a with a mother and a father, or that they even have a home. Like they they need this in their in their books. Absolutely. So please hear what I'm saying. I'm not saying avoid reality, but I am saying if you have an agenda where you're trying to push 
something that is already highly controversial that's going to cause angst, that might not be this place to do it because you're, a kid can very easily shut that book and walk away. Whereas it's the conversation, you, you want to engage them in conversation. So you need to do it the correct way. I think about as well, Taryn, the thought, what if your book is the book that the child is given 15 minutes to read before they go to bed? Yeah. When they get to the end of that 15 minutes and they close their eyes, what's going to be dancing in their head? Yeah. Are they going to be looking forward to their next 15 minutes tomorrow? Or are they going to start struggling with what you introduced to them? Right, right. Yeah. yeah. And again, I, I mean, I do think we need to introduce truth. And some of, our, some of our history is not pretty. It needs to yeah. be in books. Kids need to learn about it. But um, the, again, there's, there's a right way to do it. And I feel like um, there are some excellent examples of some just really well-written um, historical novels and, and, and even ones that take place right now that introduce, Hey, this is how I feel on the subject. Um, because we're very, uh, we're very into ourselves, <laughs> especially mm. in, in middle grade. Um, and it's, it's nice to be able to have someone say, you know what, you might not think you're, have these preconceived notions of who I am. Like, let's just open up that can of worms with racism and prejudice. And there are people who say, uh, I'm not prejudiced. Like, okay, you might, you might not think you are, but when you looked at me this way, or when I got this reaction, this is how it made me feel. And having that discussion is very important. And that can be done through characters in a book. Sometimes it's hard to do that discussion in person in real life. But if you have that topic brought up with characters and they talk about it, it really helps to open kids' eyes to, oh, I didn't realize that, you know, when I said X, Y, and Z, even though I didn't mean it this way, it had the potential to be taken this way. And that's that's the great thing about it. It is. It is. Good. Well, we've talked about how to write or we've talked about the content the age, all of this. What is your writing process when you sit down to work on a middle grade book? So lately I've been doing mysteries, which I really, really love. And so my process changed a little bit from the first two novels that I did, which were Dead Possums or Fair Game and How to Almost Ruin Your Summer. With those, I was kind of a pantser. I just sat down and, and started writing which has its benefits. It also has its drawbacks. There were times when I wrote myself into a corner and couldn't figure out what I was supposed to do. When I started writing mysteries, I, um, I became what I call a reformed pantser. <laughs> so now I plot, but I do leave room for just craziness to occur in my manuscript that I didn't necessarily plan for. So my process is to um, particularly if I'm doing a, a murder, which I, that's what I like to do are the murder mysteries. I have to figure out who is my victim, who is my killer, and then the who and the what and the where and the why and the how and the motive and all of that. That has to be completely thought out and known ahead of time and just written in you know paragraph form. It doesn't have to be in story form or, or anything. I need to know who my suspects are going to be. And those are the things I have to know before I actually start writing. And then I keep a notebook where I keep all of my 
my character bios. I do bios on my main characters. I, I have all my research goes into these notebooks. Um, if there's a picture of something, I'll print that picture out and put that in my notebook. So it's all in one place and kind of easy for me to, to keep track of everything. But my process is a lot of writing and critiquing with my critique groups and coming back and fixing. I, I am one of those weird people who I really have to find the right word before I go on. I know there are so many writers who will say, just sit down and write. Don't worry about getting the right word. And my brain will literally shut down if it's like, no, that's not the right word. And you may not continue on with your story until you find the right word. So it takes me a long time to write a story. It takes me about two years to write a story. So that's my convoluted process right there. And I like that you mentioned the time frame because I think there are some writers who, oh, I should be able to write this quickly. <laughs> I should be able to just sit down, get this out. I mean, it's it's for young people. It's not that difficult. Look at the word count. It's not that challenging. Yes. What's really funny is when I go the schools and I'll tell them, yes, it takes me about two years to write a book. I see a lot of jaws drop because... And I know, I know what they're thinking because I think the same thing. It's like, well, it didn't take me two years to read that book. What took you so long to write it? You know, I can read a book in a, in a day, day and a half. So surely I should be able to write a book in that long. And I wish that were true, but it's not. <laughs> I love it. I do like that. Wait, it doesn't take me that long to read it. Oh, so good. Is writing a mystery different from writing the other ones? You touched on that just a little, but what more should we know? It definitely is, I think, in, 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 my, in my humble opinion, because with a mystery and anyone who's watched the crime dramas on TV or if you've read a mystery, you know that characters are introduced in a certain order for a reason. Red herrings are in there. Uh, red herring is a false or misleading clue that is purposefully put there to distract you. And then legitimate clues are there. And I feel that those actually need to be introduced uh, in a certain order. If they're introduced out of order, your mystery, A, might not make sense, or B, become way too easy for the detective in your story to solve. And so I do feel like writing a mystery is different than other stories because you're telling two stories when you do a mystery. You're, you're telling the actual crime that happened and how it was solved. And then the other story is the detective figuring all of this out. And so you need to plot out both of those things. And I know it sounds like it takes, oh, all this time to plot it out. And, and it doesn't really. But you do need to make sure that you are not giving the reader information before they should have it. Because you still want them to be challenged but you also want that mystery to be fair. And what I mean by that is you cannot withhold information from your reader in a mystery that makes it impossible for them to solve the crime. They should be able to solve that crime right alongside or just after the detective does. If you all of a sudden at the very end say, oh, and the butler did it because he has an evil twin brother or you know whatever, I have no idea what you would do. Um, but no one ever knew that, that's not okay to do. And so by plotting all these things out ahead of time, it helps you prevent having a really weird ending or what what we call it an unfair ending. Mm. And that can be very frustrating. Yeah. Because it doesn't feel right to the reader. No, there's actually like a 
10 commandments of writing mysteries that someone came up with, I think back in the early 1900s. And um, some of them are, they've been rewritten because the way they were originally written was not good at all because mm-hmm. of just the mindset of the country um, and the, the prejudices that existed in our country at that point. But mm-hmm. they have their certain, and, and it's, this kind of acknowledged rule and it has been for, you know, a hundred years, like you can't do these things in mysteries and it's, it's kind of fun. And there's so much that we can do in our writing so much that's available for us today. So many places we can write places we can write about people we can write about. I think the key thing for all of us as writers is to find that sweet area to find that area that we're passionate about and I just really just embrace the writers that are speaking into the lives of our young people today. Mm-hmm. It is so needed. You know, there's, there's not a difficulty that Christian families are immune to. Right. And to be able to present it in such a way, which I do like the crossover market, being able to present, have the same book available, and where truth is written, yet it can be read with the general public and they go, there's something more, there's something different. But I take my hat off to writers in the children's area. We, we have to have it out there. So please, I encourage all of you, if you're considering this, listen to this again and again. And I believe that uh, Taryn has for us the the breakdown on the ages from board books to YA and some of that that's in the show notes. So please take advantage of it. Taryn, you have given us so much. I'm going to ask you a question that I ask our first time guests on your best writing life. Taryn Suters, what brings you joy? <laughs> um, well, like I said earlier, I love laughter. I love humor. So anything that just makes me laugh, brings me joy, which doesn't really answer the question too much, but I will give you some specific things. I love animals and they do some really goofy things. We have two cats and a dog and they, they bring me joy. I also really like fuzzy socks. I have a fuzzy sock collection, <laughs> um, which is crazy. Cause if you think about it, I live in Florida. So the fact that like, it doesn't really get cold here too much, but I love fuzzy socks. I will wear them in the middle of the summer. Um, and, and then anyone who knows me knows that I have a serious love affair with coffee. So Ooh. all of those things, animals, coffee, and fuzzy socks and my family, they all bring me joy. <laughs> I love that. I can picture you now with your animals around you as you're sipping on your coffee with your fuzzy socks propped up. I greatly appreciate you being here and sharing with us. And folks, we will have information in the show notes. Please be sure to click on that. Download what we have available there for you. You also have the way to get in touch with Taryn. And if you know, I know that you're as listeners, you're writers, But if you know schools that would love to bring in speakers, authors, let's come together as a collective and just start sharing the names of those that really provide excellent quality product that would love to come into schools and to read and to share, especially speaking into this middle grade age, which is such an age of flux emotionally 
Um, you know, it used to be you didn't have to worry about what was going on in the minds of our young people at certain ages. They weren't exposed to certain things. But our teenage years now has really gotten down to nine years of age. And nine-year-olds are being exposed to what years ago would not even be a concept that a teenager would be looking at. You can see that in the movies. You can see that in the anything that's rated PG or uh, PG-14. Oh, my goodness sakes. Way too much to put mm -hmm. on the emotional shoulders of our young people. So let's give them something that lets them know they're not alone, that shows them, yeah, life can be kind of bumpy. I know not everything today has a happy ending. And that's a reality. But offering a young person an opportunity to read, to smile, to breathe in, to laugh, and to be able to say, I can't wait for that next book. That, I think, is honoring God and honoring our position as writers, writers of faith. So we live in this world, but we certainly can proclaim our faith and offer it to everybody. Offer it to everybody. Taryn, it has been such a joy to have you here. And I'd love to have you come back on. Who knows? I might just call you and just talk to you out of the blue because, you know, <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we can do that. I mean, the thought of fuzzy socks and coffee, I'm just right there with you. So um, those of you that are part of our Your Best Writing Life Facebook group, I'd love to have you there. If you've not joined, please come and join. And I think it's a possibility that I'm going to have Taryn on. We're going to do a Facebook Live the week that this show goes live. So I'd love for you to participate in that as well. Taryn, will you come back and visit us again? Absolutely. That would be so much fun. All right. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, my friends, for joining us. Oh, goodness. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review. That is so important because what you have to say matters as much as what you have to write. This is Linda Goldfarb, and I look forward to being here with you next time on Your Best Writing Life.